The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees and the Esquimalt First Nations, recently known as Victoria, BC, Canada. This episode is for all my closeted pop culture girlies who found themselves in spiritual and personal wellness spaces where your knowledge of Jonah Hill's text life and the intricate vernacular of the interior design of the Mojo Dojo Casa House and the all-star crossover casting between Barbie and sex education goes wholly unappreciated. It's also for all you Canadian listeners who, like me, are not only outspoken feminists, but also big fans of the second greatest Canadian comedy show of all time, second only to Schitt's Creek, Letter Kenny. I'm talking about situation comedy here, not sketch comedy like SCTV or Kids in the Hall or Baroness Von Sketch Show, though. I, I am going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say it. Letter Kenny is better than two out of three of those. Hat tip to Baroness Von Sketch. Totally in a league of their own. Anyway, this is actually a show about grief and a show about the purity culture of new age white lady spirituality and a show about how social media, particularly TikTok, helped one funny woman find solace in the wake of a very painful circumstance when her mother died during the very early days of the pandemic. Emily Rose is a content creator from Montreal, Canada. She can be found hosting pop culture and reality TV recap podcast, It's Become a Whole Thing, and she posts commentary to her TikTok by the same name, and she can also be found doing astrology readings. She can usually be found glued to her couch on a quest for a new brunch spot or on a troll stroll, which in case you don't know, is the antithesis of the hot girl walk. It's like no minimum distances, just taking your bad attitude and your bad outfit out for a walk to get some air and vitamin D. So apologies to folks who are not on TikTok and don't understand it, but there are very real benefits there for humans seeking to find connection with other humans who share their interests and perspectives. It just has like a very particular kind of feed that they call the For You page that is just it can be a lifesaver if you're going through deep grief. But of course, social media is also <laughs> so annoying. Sometimes, you know, you get into some weird algorithmic flow that just like it can make your eyes roll so hard into your head, you get a headache. And a lot of us, you know, we've been out on these internet streets for long enough that it's just, it's tiring. It's tiring seeing the same stuff all the time. It's tiring seeing those of us who are like, working so hard out there on those internet streets trying to make a living, you know, seeing post after post of like one kind of mythic norm after another. I know if you're listening to this show and you're on social media, you're like me. You're you're always treading that fine line between posting content that's inspirational, not aspirational. You know, nobody listening to this show, the Numinous Podcast, wants to perpetuate an idealized version of life that just upholds capitalist, imperialist, white supremacist patriarchy. And also, none of us want to tear down like another person who's just trying to exist on the internet, you know? It's a, it's a hard dilemma sometimes. I get that. But I hope you'll forgive 
this one indulgence because, you know, if you're craving a conversation with people who get this nuance, but also kind of just want to vent a bit about toxic positivity and like modern internet spirituality, or in my case, like Instagram food flat lays and like food photography that like has pissed me off so much in the last five years. And just like how that intersects with pop culture. Hey, you've come to the right place. I'm about to confide in you some stuff I really loathe on social media. Thanks to some inspiration from my next guest, Emily Rose. So Emily, what identities do you lead with? I love this question. The last time I was asked this question was in a class in university. So over a decade ago. And my answer has changed since then. I would say an exhausted and hilarious person. <laughs> What's making you most exhausted right now? Uh, if you look around, just uh, <laughs> the general state of affairs, both both in the general world um my a bit of my life um but I do use humor to cope with everything and I must say the trauma has really turned up the dial I think on my on my humor <laughs> so that's been a real bonus that's come out of everything <laughs> absolutely transferable skills mm -hmm. yeah it's like they tried to teach you about in high school that's so yeah. great yeah <clears throat> okay so Emily, I found Meredith Lynch on my first day of TikTok. And for folks who aren't familiar with Meredith, we're, I'm going to link to her uh, TikTok in the show notes. Uh, but she did, at the time, she was doing deep dives into subscription box scams. And I was like, oh my gosh, come through TikTok. TikTok, it turns out, is really smart and funny and has like an anti-capitalist analysis and feminist lens. This is great. Right after that, I found Molly McPherson. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Another person who, you know, is kind of in that community. She does um, crisis PR, but as a communicator and as a person who loves marketing. And I just, I, I've always been fascinated by how we communicate and and in the sort of um, social justice world about like how we handle call outs and call ins, all of that. I was like, this is great. Then Molly recommended, she, she called out you and I found it's become a whole thing and was like, okay, now we're bringing the funny, we're bringing the pop culture, we're bringing the smarts. And you'd done some posts that were critiquing kind of like, the wellness world. And again, the kind of scammy things we can find there. So you three are kind of like my Justice League superheroes of like TikTok accounts. Yeah. That I'm like, I, I still, it just made me want to find my place on TikTok. Uh, so I'm curious about how you got into TikTok, what you love about TikTok and what you hate about TikTok. Um, well, first of all, I'm just honored to be put in the same group as those two women. Um, I'm very fortunate to call them both friends and actually got to be in the same room as both of them this year. I did a live show with Meredith and Molly came um, with her daughter and it was like just worlds colliding in the best way. Um, but as far as TikTok, so early on, um, you'll probably remember it was known as like the teen dancing app. Yeah. And that was in 2020. And for me, it's TikTok is inextricably tied in with my grief story. So I in 2020, um, I was taking care of my terminally ill mother 
and had to be very limited in social contact. I mean, completely limited. And, um, and so I ended up discovering TikTok. And at this point, this was when it was a hard sell on everyone in my life. I was like, I'm on TikTok. And they're like, okay, you know, looking at me, like, I <laughs> guess you're going through a lot. That's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> no, like it's, it was embarrassing, um, yeah. considered, but I was getting into all this niche humor and all this intelligent critiques and history lessons and all these things. And it ended up being one of the key components to getting me through that year and the year after, but because my mind is just always working, like I want to see how everything works behind the scenes. I hadn't really realized that I was taking in just how the app works, you know, mm -hmm. intuitively there's like ways, to, you know, social media optimization, <laughs> there's ways to make Instagram work for you, TikTok. And so when it came time um, to, you know, after my mom had passed away, um, I was dealing with all these other factors and I was like, okay, what do I have to lose? I'll, I'll be even more embarrassing and I'll just post about my thoughts about, at the time it was the Kardashians. And I had this heavy filter and these blue light glasses because I wanted to look smarter. <laughs> and, and I guess, and it just took off from there. And then three months later, I started my podcast and my life changed. So TikTok has been like my door to Narnia. Wow. How did your life change? Tell us like in what sort of concrete ways did it actually alter like your day to day? Like in truly every sense. So I've met now some of my best friends from there. Like I've now been to LA twice um, visiting um, a friend who I met through TikTok. Um, she picked me up from the airport, Lauren at the Zen blonde on all, all platforms. Um, <laughs> and it was like, we had just known each other our whole lives. Her and I actually connected over the fact that we had lived this incredibly spiritual life, gone pretty much off the deep end in terms of all these spiritual practices, went way too far into it in our twenties, but also maintained our love for pop culture. <laughs> and so through her, I've met other people like that. I, I hadn't ever met people like that before. Um, and then career-wise, I was working um, a job that I really hated. That was part of why I was like, you know, nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And so three months after my first post, I started my podcast. And then six months after that, that first post, I just took a leap and I quit my job and I'm working as a freelancer and content creator. Amazing. Amazing. Well, and your content it is relatable, funny, super great. You mentioned how one of your first things was um, talking about the Kardashians. So I had, before TikTok, I, well, I still have never seen an episode of Kardashians television, but before TikTok, I just like, I knew who they were, but it's through TikTok that I started to see analysis of how they were shaping culture, shaping social media, shaping uh, people's self-perceptions, shaping. Also, I would say now in hindsight, we can see that this is seeing how those kinds of people have lived has probably helped move the class awareness, you know, the, yes. much closer. Like we, we, there are many more people with, with class consciousness now because of being able to see the ridiculousness of how these folks live. One of my very first posts was about um, 
I reposted to TikTok something I saw on Instagram from Friday Things, Stacey Lee Kong, about Kim Kardashian cosplaying as Black and now leaving uh, mm -hmm. Kanye West, who has a new name now. I can never remember how yeah. to pronounce it. But he, and and they're, doing a lot of whitewashing of her appearance. So I posted on TikTok. They're all dating. They're all dating white people now. They've all switched they, their oh, brands over. They've yeah. switched brands. Okay, so it's a whole whitewash thing. And I posted about this. It was literally like a fifteen second video where I was just like, "Ooh, just cosplay." It got like one hundred and fifty thousand views in like a day, and I was like, "What is happening?" Turns out that is fodder for the algorithm. And then like the very next post, I was like, it was something about one of the Kardashians being a, um, uh, like a doomsday prepper. And I posted about that because I was like, oh, I'm a collapse aware person. Oh my gosh. People in the comment section. I, I just, I was like, okay, there, there is definitely like, um, there's a dark shadow here to TikTok. What are some of the things that you like hate about TikTok actually? Like what are some of the ugly things about human nature that you see that you're like, wow, this comment session or or this, you know, flow in my FYP is actually kind of sinister. Yeah, I guess uh, probably I'm very jaded <laughs> going back to my identifying as an exhausted person where I really see sinister things going on in every facet of life. And I view the way that we relate to TikTok in very similar way to the way we relate to celebrities, which is that it's this projection and this thing that pulls out our, you know, every, all the recesses of our reptile brain. And like, so with the Kardashians, it's like, they're just people. So we're giving them our attention and money. And what does that say about us? And same with TikTok that now, I, I guess maybe it's my little contrarian side, but people hate on it. I do too sometimes so much, <laughs> but that I, sometimes I, I tend to go the other way where I'm like, this is this vessel where now kids who have like niche interests and maybe don't get along with other kids at school have an avenue um, to connect. And there's many, many problems with online life. Um, but just us being glued to our phones and scrolling and the dopamine hit, I kind of lump in all as not the best thing for us, but doesn't mean I'm trying to reduce my screen time <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> right. So like there's benefits that outweigh the things that, why do you like TikTok more than say Instagram? What's different? Oh, I could have never ever taken off on Instagram not in a million years I mean now reels reels is only really a thing because they're trying to be like TikTok but mm -hmm. I one of the best compliments that I've gotten is from people that know me in real life and they're like you're exactly the same on TikTok as in real life and I really do show up like uh, looking rough sometimes pretty rough and just very uh, unfiltered and kind of non-sequitur sort of cut uh, I, I've been told like dry humor um, mm -hmm. and none of that is very aesthetic which is what Instagram is all about so that's what I love I love the irreverence of it and mm -hmm. the chaotic nature of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is chaotic you wrote a book 
uh, a journal, the Stuff I Hate journal. And um, we will definitely link to that in the show notes too. Can you tell us a little bit about how this journal came to be? Um, well, honestly, so this is, again, like, this is why I call TikTok by Dora Narnia, because some intern at Simon & Schuster saw a TikTok, saw my TikTok, and they had a concept for this journal, and they needed someone to write it. And it's basically a negativity journal, but it's not meant to be like trauma dumping. It's not, it, they want it to be like light and walking the line of a humorous way to vent. And that's what I'm all about is just really allowing people a space to be their gremlin selves. Like I call my um, podcast listeners trolls. Like we're all just living our troll life and going for troll strolls. And, um, and so they wrote to me and I said great and it just I mean it kind of felt like an assignment at school it's like here's <laughs> your word count and here's the here's when you have to turn in this essay and I love a challenge and it's a mind-blowing opportunity um still waiting for someone to jump out and say like you've been pranked and <laughs> <laughs> right this is all very what's elaborate the title of the of the journal what's the subtitle uh stuff I hate journal and the the subheading that that I had proposed, which is I think it's on the back of the book, is live, laugh, loathe. And <laughs> and I really wanted it to be the same feeling as when you get home from a long day and you're with your person, your best friend, your partner, whatever, and you're just like venting about your day and you're laughing and you feel better. That's what I want it to be the book version of that. And to yes. just give people permission just let it all hang out because I hadn't realized how great of an audience there is that just feels guilt about their gratitude journals. <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> realized how many people like me just had like two pages filled out and then just felt always felt this sense of dread like oh I gotta fill out the gratitude journal. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay listeners who've been listening to the podcast for a long time. It's been around since 2014. So if they've listened for any length of time, they know that I have a very particular sense of taste and a very particular way of moving through the world. Uh, but then there's also people who work with me, like in the Numinous Network or one-on-one, -on -one, and they know me as kind of a bit more of like an amygdala whisperer. Whereas I've had people who know me in real life, like when I was on like the community association of my neighborhood, they were like, where is this trauma therapist persona? Like they just like, cause I was like such a kind of bulldog around fighting for justice in the neighborhood. I am the perfect audience for a stuff I hate journal. Cause it is like, I don't want to yuck somebody's yum. I don't want to, you know, trash talk people. I don't want to make people feel bad, but if I'm being honest, I fucking hate Instagram food photography. I fucking hate it. And I wrote a whole cookbook and, and it's like when I'm going through Instagram and people are getting tons of likes on these photos, I'm like, why do you have 24 fucking lemons cut on your countertop? Why do you have spices strewn all over? Do you know how expensive cinnamon is right now? This is so dumb. And I, I really hate 
like wedding cakes or any kind of dessert that has inedible stuff on it. Like when people are putting flowers that are like, I know to be poisonous or like the stems. When I went to cooking school in France, you never put anything on a plate that a person couldn't not only eat without like hurting themselves or poisoning themselves, but also it was supposed to be delicious. And I don't want to eat your fucking yarrow fern stems. Like, you know, yeah, I was not a fern, well, but it has those ferny leaves, you know, yeah, I yeah. eat that shit, but I don't want to like say that on Instagram, but I would say it in my journal. Yeah. Ach- Achilles millifolium for all the little, little yes. tendrils in their leaves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a prompt in the journal that's, there's a few that are like the, that perfect um, influencer online. Like what happens after they cut the cameras or like they those people that do the perfect like day in the life write out what their actual day is like and and there's ones where it's like it's just meant to be cathartic so it's like you know that person that said that passive aggressive thing to you and you only realized three days later like go back and say what you actually would have liked to have said in the moment if you were a little more sharp totally the whole journal is like a corrective experience for that I I love that aspect of it I whenever I see people's like blue chai um pea blossom blue cakes or like fucking they're like I made a nettle cake I'm like I love nettle it is like a plant medicine that is so important to me but that is a green cake like Ugh. what are you I know I love I, nettle I don't want to be love... bitchy but like no but 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 that's why it's a journal like because I'm net I'm like you I'm I'm never trying to make people feel bad part of why I have a Patreon is so I can just talk shit and it's just amongst <laughs> friends and we're just, just cozy we know we're, we, people know my heart and know that I'm not doing this on a public platform to be like I'm calling this yeah. person out who's kind of like a peer um you know it's different when you're talking about Kim Kardashian versus like another TikTok or whatever we all we all have those judgmental thoughts and it's like here is your own private book to write yeah. those out, get it out of your system so you can be more positive. It's part of why I focus so much on reality TV, both in my um, personal life and on my podcast and everything, is that's my way of like getting my judgment out of my system. And I, I like to think it makes me a bit more compassionate to the people in my life because I get to just, these people have signed up for this to be judged. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I can have all the schadenfreude, get it out of my system. And then try to meet people with some love and kindness. Totally. It's like a a nice sort of trauma theory where it's like, let's find a container, a safe container, because I think it living in an overculture that keeps us in like a fight or flight or freeze response. If we come out of freeze and we start to mobilize, it is good to like get that fight response out that, you know, that like, fuck that, fuck that. But I don't want to do that to other people people that I know. So it's nice to have um, a a container for that. So you have a background in herbalism. You just like did that beautiful Latin plant identification there for me. Thank you. Um, You're also a consulting astrologer. Can you share a little bit about how you learned these crafts and how they they fit into your life now, if at all? Well, yeah, I think, I think because I had your list of questions. So when you said Yara, I was like, that's my favorite. And then I love like I love getting nerdy about plants and I love the story of why it's called Achilles millifolium um 
Go ahead, tell us. Well, Give it to us. Oh, tell I was us. Like, it's like pop. Some, it's like pop culture, but for herbalism. Sometimes I'm like, we all know the story, right? No, we don't. Um, <laughs> these are th- these are my, you know, um, one of my special interests. But um, it's the myth of Achilles being dipped into yarrow to make him invincible, but he was dipped by his heel, um, and so that was his point of weakness. But it's because yarrow has so many medicinal properties so there is something to why he was dipped in yarrow and then millifolium because there's so many little teeny teeny little bits (laughs) on the leaves um but um as for your question how does that fit into my life now so probably most people who met me throughout my 20s I'm 35 at this point um probably most of them would not have known that I even had an interest in pop culture which is why it's funny that I'm known more online as the pop culture person um but that was just that was really my my life and I was in school to be um, an herbalist and at one point I decided not to continue on with schooling just because I had like other I was going in other directions and I talked to my teacher my mentor Colleen Emery he's like our kind of girly <laughs> she's an incredible like bring bridges eastern western medicine is super practical super like you're you're all gonna sit down and learn about the science i know you guys just want to make potions <laughs> but we're gonna learn about anatomy um i told her that i i was really struggling with the decision to not go on with with school um that she was teaching and she said look you've always been an herbalist and you always will be and you probably were in past lifetimes and that's just who you are like when I'm walking my dog around the city every day I spot edible plants or medicinal plants like growing in the cracks of the sidewalk and and I'm like thinking about them and and so it's just it's it's always there whether I'm articulating or not which I'm usually not (laughs) and how about astrology oh that that is just um it's my favorite lens and system of analysis i see it as data analysis it's not so mystical to me um it's much more like practical and it's a way of filing knowledge in my in my mind and mm-hmm. also helping me to understand and, and also be more compassionate to people because if i can understand more of how they tick then it's like I don't know. It just makes me instantly more understanding of of them and of the world. So when did you first begin to see that there was an underbelly uh, to the wellness world? Like, did you have specific bad experiences that like now in hindsight and with the benefit of more life experience and more of a like critical analysis lens, you know, those things you walked away from then, do you look back now and think like, whoa, that was actually a lot more serious than we thought, especially now in light of the kind of like white spiritual wellness world to QAnon and like freedom convoy pipeline. Yeah. Oh my God. There's it's okay. So it's so interesting because there's, I feel like COVID was really what broke open a lot of that, that world where a lot of people really went far down the QAnon path. And it also just exposed that pretty clear connection that a lot of us now see um between like the the crunchy to all right pipeline Mm -hmm. um and at the same time so for all of my 20s I was living in British Columbia um in a little hippie town 
um, in in the Kootenays for any uh, Canadian listeners. Any British Columbian knows exactly yeah. what you're talking about then. <laughs> yeah, yep, you know, yeah. If Or if you're in the U.S., it's like the, the Emerald Triangle in California, that kind of vibe. And um, and I was so in it. Like I probably did every type of healing modality. I probably had a bathtub worth of tinctures in my system, like ever acupuncture, <laughs> everything. And I was just trying to feel better. And then 2020, I was handed this situation where um I was given this um uh, diagnosis with my with my mom. It was uh, not COVID <laughs> the other, the other big C. So she was, um, diagnosed with a rare terminal cancer right at the start of COVID great timing. And so immediately I had been told my whole life that I should be on antidepressants or some kind of medication. And I was like, no, 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 I'm doing all natural. Um, it didn't work. I also <laughs> did like probably five rounds of like silent meditation, 10 day silent meditation courses. Mm-hmm. Like I did everything. And given this situation that I was heading into, because I basically within a span of a couple of weeks, I packed my life up. I drove across the country and I went into caregiver mode and I was like, okay, maybe I'll take, I'll try meds. Cause yeah, <laughs> don't have too many legs to stand on now. Right. And that was the greatest silver lining from this shitty situation. I will probably be on them for the rest of my life. It's the most life-changing incredible thing for me and I've talked to my herbal medicine teacher about it where I was like should I just keep this going she's like we've tried everything with you because she's also you know my I go to her for her herbal consultations along Mm -hmm. with teaching Mm -hmm. so that has made the whole ship float the yeah we'll go around like Mm -hmm. everything that I'm doing now is off of that foundation and Mm -hmm. ironically I'm like more connected to my surroundings and to like the universe than I've ever have been because I can actually function more Mm -hmm. um and that just made me question so many of my beliefs about like chemicals and what is toxic and what is bad and this and how that relates to like purity and all that Mm -hmm. and at the same time there was all the COVID like truths that were being uncovered um and ugly realities of the world so my inner experience of my personal life was kind of reflective of the greater world's experience if that makes sense yeah that does make sense I'm gonna ask about your situation with your mom and and the impacts of that in a moment but when you talk about how you left the environment of this small town where it was like fairly homogenous let's say like lefty crunchy granola or it seemed lefty at the time I guess it's like horseshoe theory it goes so far to the left now we're on the right but you had to actually get removed from that environment and um I it kind of has some culty vibes to it did you like in the community that you were in it sounds like you just didn't feel like you could say or would it even have crossed your mind because you were kind of in like so immersed in this like homogenous culture of we do things holistically Oh no, I was always weirded out by it. Like I I was both in it and skeptical. So I had a great group of friends who we always could keep it real. And, you know, we'd do our moon ceremonies, but we'd also watch The Bachelor with our wine and like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) do it all. Um, (laughs) And at the same time, over social media, I was witnessing a lot of the 
the people that I would buy my vegetables from at the farmer's market were suddenly making like anti-vaxxer art and, you know, freedom convoying and, and all these things. And I'm like, how, oh, I'm not surprised. And realizing mm. like, oh, the yoga studio I went to, like, it's just straight up white women wearing bindis. And like, it's so such a white environment that no one is like, yeah. what are you're not Hindu. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that I grew up in Montreal. So that's where I returned to. And so I didn't grow up in an environment like that. And I was always, mm. it always is just, I don't know. It's, it was very unfamiliar to be in an like all white, um, all homogenous and also homogenous in beliefs type of <laughs> environment. Yeah. Um, Montreal is so like protesty and like fight the system, fight the man, you know, and, <laughs> and BC, it's like just, you know, shockerlicious <laughs> in, <laughs> in certain corners. <laughs> right, right. It's so interesting because I've thought a lot about, you know, um, and this is probably more since like 2016 and the rise of, uh, of Trump and kind of MAGA culture, but, um, and how that's like bled over into Canada, but we've heard so much about like the rural urban divide. Um, and that also got like really lifted up, uh, with this whole freedom convoy kind of bullshit. But one of the things that I've always noticed is like, so I live in Victoria, BC, which I like quite openly call a segregated city. When I go home to my small town of Duncan, BC, where I, you know, I went to school with Indigenous people, there were several places I could go in the town where I would be in the minority as a white person, at least in the 80s and in the 90s. When I go to Duncan now and I go into a restaurant and I see indigenous people and white people and people of the global majority that is like pretty rare even still in victoria and victoria would be considered urban and duncan would be considered rural duncan is also the place where i learned about like the union ethos of collectivizing and so there is a strange thing that's happening right now where it's like half of rural canada is freedom convoy convoy but the other half of rural Canada is like no you take care of your neighbors we collectivize we work together like it's it's really intense how social media amplifies the um sort of vocal I hope is the minority of white supremacists you know um yeah but it's like it's been pretty shocking and very interesting to notice how the cult dynamics of groupthink are activated and energized with charismatic leadership, which is like what makes me worried about Pierre Poiliev and 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 their use of social media and the charismatic leader. Do you do you track that on social? Yeah. A lot? A, yeah. Yeah. I have a politics degree at focusing on Canadian politics and I'm like all yeah, I think about that constantly. <laughs> One actually the real main reason why I am so into pop culture reality tv is that i need a remedy for my soul after like reading all these articles and keeping up to date on that stuff like <laughs> i need to just watch um some people um with frozen faces like yelling at each other in like a fancy restaurant <laughs> just oh wipe, wipe the clay slate clean and yeah i it it is very interesting and it is concerning but at the same time i will say i was raised to have a lot of prejudice against small towns people from small towns so i was raised to be like very very inclusive against um with um queer pe uh, people of color like 
immigrants but it was like oh small town people that was like the, just really uh I was taught very disrespectful things about them and so it was really really nice to get to be amongst like self-defined rednecks and be like you guys are great like kind of salt of the earth people and yes. you know, kind of a lot of them will kind of rip on everyone equally but it not it's not that serious and yeah and yeah. actually when I was out there I found myself um connecting a lot more with people like that than with the kind of like west coast hippies yeah okay do you watch letter kenny um i've i've seen clips of it i haven't oh my gosh (laughs) emily okay listeners right now are like are you fucking kidding carmen spaniola watches letter kenny i just told you i come from duncan i just told you i come from a small town letter kenny is exactly what we're talking about it is like salt of the earth it's super funny. It's super dirty. It feels very kind of like an, a new, more modern, more justice-oriented Canadiana. So I, I commend to you, Emily Rose, Letter Kenny as like where Canadian humor needs to go next. Amazing. I'm <laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. I got I got fired up because like I'm like, that's how I mean, I don't know if it's anything like Trailer Park Boys, which is one of my my favorite shows. Maybe it's, it sounds sounds Trailer Park Boys is not <laughs> not really like that but it is deeper than people maybe make it out to be but back to back to what you're saying about letter candy like that is how you humanize people it's not through hollow land acknowledgements and then not yes. doing anything about it it's like actually 100%. just showing people as real people and I was just I was just trying to explain to my boyfriend the other day like we were trying to we, we were trying to hire someone off of task rabbit to mount a tv and they like kind of messed up the wall and I was like if we were in a small town like we would have just talked to our neighbor and if they couldn't help like they're they would know someone who could like or someone's husband they like have some, they someone would have helped yeah. yes yes we wouldn't be like two hundred dollars short and like a hole in the wall you know from <laughs> with some no random person anchors. there's yeah. nothing wrong with yeah nothing wrong with with hiring help for that but you know what I mean it's just and and he was like what do you mean you would just talk to your neighbor I'm like you would I can't explain if you'd never been in it but someone would know and they'd bring over their tools and totally and or you'd yeah you'd be like oh go over to the rummelds and ask if larry can come over with his toolbox because you know we're out of whatever yeah like that's totally okay so so you experienced this major life-changing bereavement when your mother died super tragically in the beginning of COVID. And this is something you actually posted about on TikTok that really kind of, I was like, oh, this is really nice to see where you're coming from because I'd seen all the pop culture stuff. But then you talked about what you had to do during that time when they were restricting people being with family and the way you were so um, tenacious and persistent in such an un, just unbelievably stressful time, but you were kind to people. Will you share a little bit of the story of what that was like for you? Sure. Yeah. Well, I come by it honestly. My mom was a very, very tenacious woman and she was a social worker who actually worked with dying people. So very interesting. Oh. Um, very, very um interesting place to be <laughs> suddenly on the other side of that. And then to have all the insight of 30 years of working with dying people 
by association, you know, whatever your parents work is, you kind of get a bit of that by proxy. Um, and so I just harnessed that. And I was like, there, there's no question for me, this is what you do. You're I, whatever people's journey, everyone has their own journey to me. It's like, okay, your parents raise you. And then, you know, and then the cycle of life, like you take that over when it's their time. So mm-hmm. there's, um, Canadian healthcare politics and, you know, short staff, and all that stuff aside, I was like, this is, this is the goal. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be there with my mom. She can't take care of herself and she can't like, I'm not letting her like, if you ring we're ringing the buzzer for just like you know simple things going to the bathroom water people wouldn't come for hours so I was like there's zero chance that I'm letting that slide so I would just walk do the walk of confidence I would dress kind of a little like a nurse who's about to change like you know they dress very casual hair in a (laughs) butt like just I mean not that hard for me (laughs) to dress like that (laughs) but I would just walk like right past the security desk and and sometimes I would hear them be like excuse me ma'am and I would pretend I didn't hear them and just walk quicker and then uh a lot of times like doctors would come this is when she was in the hospital doctors would come and be like oh you're not supposed to be in here and I'd be like and I would just be like okay and then I would just we'd have a stare down for a minute (laughs) and then they'd like just look like oh my god I can't like (laughs) I don't have the time or patience to deal with this like okay and 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 like you know, and then I had to just have some really serious conversations with people where they're like, okay, well, there's no visitors allowed and like security guards. And I just like looked at them and I'm like, this is what's going to happen right now. You know? And I had this security guard, like almost in tears. I was like, look, I was dying and I'm going to be there right now. And, and this nurse was like, no, no, don't say that. I'm like, no, no, I'm, <clears throat> this is what's happening. And the security guard was like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you're just doing your job. Everyone's doing their job. I understand. I've had, we all have to do our job sometimes and it sucks and I'm making your job difficult, but I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And yeah. And that's exactly like, um, my mom was like quite a force of nature and maybe, maybe would have not been so diplomatic as that right. strong right. fire 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 chart on the water water right. sign chart kind of kind of gal but um but yeah and that's just like how how I did it I'm an, I'm an only child so that's this you know I think you always know as an only child where you're like okay well if there's gonna be a responsibility it's gonna fall on me they put all their eggs in one basket all right this basket's gonna rally (laughs) right right and I mean I guess there's also like hey leverage that white privilege girly just like so this is what's gonna happen right now and um you know you were really lucky to be able to do that and like I'm sure there was something in your delivery that really touched on people's compassion you know really like pulled at their heartstrings and I think it was like a good example of like hey this is how we can be in the most dire of circumstances but be human with each other and um yeah I I was just really impressed with that you you really I'm sure your mom would be very proud of you she she was and you know I was very lucky I got to record a whole interview series with her that I'll probably do something with it someday maybe maybe not but Mm -hmm. I have about 
probably about six or seven hours of recorded interviews I did with her about life and death and the perspective of someone um, dying. Have you listened to them since then? I haven't, but I'm actually so (laughs) funny enough, but not really funny. The reason why I started TikTok was because of like, well, the grief and also because in COVID, I had a job that was based in BC. So I had to give up my job. Um, I went on caregiver leave and then I had to find a new job that I, I didn't like. And so, and I was like living in my childhood bedroom, not the best vibe, um, seeing my like pink walls that I painted as a kid, I was like, Ooh. you know, just all around, not great. And her funeral kept getting canceled because mm-hmm. of COVID. And then a bunch of my other relatives kept almost dying. Um, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been a couple of years Super of stressful. craziness. Yeah. And so her funeral got canceled probably for like the third time. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm just opening up TikTok because I need to just, I'm going to rant about Kim Kardashian. And like, it really took that much to push me to like the, I I call it ego death, you know, with posting on (laughs) TikTok. So you have to really put that aside. And, and so now um, I'm actually, I finally, like after three years of trying it's kind of full circle because um I finally just cemented a date for her funeral (laughs) oh like yeah on the three-year death anniversary which is so wild but yeah it's been it's been a a wild wild ride wow so the three-year death anniversary is coming up and so that might be a time where you listen to her voice for her funeral or just to like feel connected to to her energy in a deeper way I guess oh yeah actually sorry I I lost the the (laughs) the reason why I thought of that was because um most people couldn't see her um Mm -hmm. at all like her illness was like very it was like April to November 2020 so like pre-vaccine all that so Mm -hmm. people couldn't see her or say goodbye and so I was thinking it would be nice to do something with that footage and put that out there um maybe like make a little website or something where I can just yeah just post that I think it might be healing to people oh for sure oh gosh that sounds so beautiful what a beautiful um memorial and also um honoring a beautiful like hopefully a beautiful ritual what are some Mm -hmm. of the things that you've learned about grief and the way grief is handled in the world in general, but maybe particularly in like the spiritual wellness kind of realm that you emerged from? Yeah, with my grief, like on one hand, I feel more connected than I ever have to something bigger than me, um, because that's what I really leaned on. And on the other hand, most of those like, quote unquote, spiritual practices, I really just completely dropped, like, Mm -hmm. because the whole like, toxic positivity you know going back to this is what I channeled into my journal all the people being like everything happens for a reason and like <laughs> it, it drove me crazy and like my mom and I were like get out of here with that bullshit like she would be like seriously like I don't get out <laughs> like I want to hear this right now <laughs> everything happens for a reason like to the mm-hmm. dying lady you know it's like yeah um maybe comforting to some people whatever it comforts people please like please you know hold on to that if that's what brings you some peace but to me, it just made it seem so um, obscene. And also the whole thought that I truly believed in, which is like your thoughts become your reality. I'm like, okay, so then what thoughts created this? And, you know, Mm -hmm. that just seems like a lot of people 
um talking about how they manifested money and <laughs> abundance and it's always these like white lady coaches on TikTok. yeah it just sounds like capitalism yeah 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 it all sounded really um absurd so the spiritual <laughs> world yeah it just became kind of like something that was like a pillar of my life and then just became kind of like a joke almost to me overnight mm-hmm. where I was like I just I just laughed it off and that's how my mom and I dealt with it like the whole time of her illness like we were very real about the situation we're like anyone who wants to be in denial about this like that's fine but don't bring it to us we're being very realistic about this and we would just be like making fun of like we'd be like oh the cancer patient inspiring like real original (laughs) not to people's faces because everyone's you know very overcome but we were just like like oh my god she's like if I have to have one more person tell me that I'm brave like I'm gonna (laughs) punch them and I'm like yeah yeah I think that my way of dealing with grief is um, realizing that I can laugh at the entire thing. And I'm very excited someday down the line, I'm very excited to put out like a a humorous book about grief and all of these little absurdly dark humored moments that come with it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a nice extension of your things I I hate book. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, it and it's I had I actually had been writing it like before I ever got this email from these publishers. I had been writing this, and this is also before I had a platform. This is when I was like, maybe this will just be a book I write to no one someday. Mm-hmm. But I I was writing the whole time and writing out like unexpected tips that I have. I have a lot of like practical things that I I've never heard people really talk about when someone's sick and I want to um I want to present that both to people going through it and to like friends and and loved ones who are peripheral to that and don't know how to engage with it totally totally that sounds brilliant um we'll have you back on when (laughs) when when that book's coming out why do you think now like the, the world is very different from 2020 like why do we even spend our time on social anymore like is it kind of just schadenfreude like I look around at the world three years into a pandemic and think like wow people are really tired (laughs) they're tired they're burnt out they're seeing through things there are things like class consciousness now um, that are more obvious it just seems like the cultural mood is different and also the internet seems different like I don't know if you've read about dead internet theory but you know there's some interesting articles about even if it's not true that the great inversion has happened and like most of the internet is actually bots it does kind of feel that way and also with everything that's happened with ai this year it's like what is even life anymore what is even real and what is fake so like i'm very curious if you think that reality stars and pop culture and celebrities are still going to be relevant for much longer uh yes I do I do think so and I had a financial expert on my podcast last year Bridget Casey she's amazing oh I love her Uh, yeah I follow her too no she she's incredible and like yeah she puts out a lot of thought like um tips and everything on finances but there's this thing that she said on, on my podcast where she we were talking about fascination with celebrity and she talked about this study that was done where 
um, it was in the 1920s, I believe, when you could just kind of do whatever in a scientific study, like there was no ethics committee. Um, so they starved these men. Um, not funny. They, um, it's just absurd that this was, yeah. they kind of like start, like they didn't kill them, but they kind of got sort of close and saw what happened to them. And all they thought about all day was food and it's all they wanted. They talked about and thought about. And she made that analogy to how we're obsessed with the Kardashians. A lot of people like hate watch them, same mm-hmm. with celebrities. But she's like, it's the same thing where we're in this capitalist world and most of us don't have those that type of wealth. And even for a lot of these celebrities, it's not even real. It's just they're portraying it that way. But it's like we're starving and we're just staring through the window like at this cake. <laughs> but the cake, but it's like... <laughs> In like the, and the cake is a hologram and we know it and we don't care because our mouth is still watering yeah or the kid or the cake is like whatever crazy scheme like chris jenner's <laughs> pulling next and you know what, <laughs> what whatever whatever it, it is real real or not um that's what compels us and i think about that all the time and so i think that the way that we engage with celebrities is rapidly rapidly changing so just for example like oprah's fundraiser for maui mm-hmm. is the, one of the best examples of that she she was so shocked and she was like well dolly yeah. parton did a fundraiser in 2017 it's like first of all dolly parton's a class act keeps things very low-key and she gave her own money she gave her own money and maybe put on a concert but like that's different mm-hmm. second of all 2017 yeah. things are very different now and i think things will be very different another five years from now but we're always going to be fascinated by other humans mm-hmm. and looking at them and so the people put their lives out i think we'll just be watching mm-hmm. we're too we're all too addicted to our screens to turn away i think right right i also think that there is something useful about tracking the the cultural mood and the prevailing atmosphere this is this is why we educate ourselves about pickup artist culture and how that translated into the heyday of marketing in the 2000s, internet marketing and coach culture and how that is like translated into, um, you know, bro culture and podcasts and how that how that is turned into Joe Rogan. Like these are important cultural narratives, I think, to keep track of. And along the way, we can laugh about how often men think about the Roman Empire and women think about their ex-best friend. Yeah. Yes, it's like throwing yes. the the meme of the moment. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and and that's that's it. Like with celebrities, like a lot, a lot of the times now we're laughing at them more than anything. We're still just as engaged, but just in a different way. For me, ultimately, like I I started getting into pop culture when it was just in the newspaper. Like as a kid, there was like this little section next to the comics that was like little blurbs and I would just read it because I always wanted to know about people's lives and I wanted to know the gossip and their childhood and their divorces and everything (laughs) this is what has always driven me and that's not appropriate to know about (laughs) private (laughs) citizens (laughs) walking on the street you can't knock on the door and be like what's what's the crazy (laughs) gossip in your life this week but for the people who are putting it out there I'm like great you know (laughs) I would be just as happy to know this about anyone that I see walking down the street but these are people that have dedicated their lives putting it out there totally yeah I grew up so my I grew up with my my mom my grandma my great grandma and my three aunties we lived in like a 
two bedroom with a basement um, and like a one bathroom house. But my grandma had her beauty salon in the garage and she had subscriptions to People and Us magazine. <laughs> and and along with that, um, all the soap operas were just on all day long. Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, um, All My Children, all that kind of stuff. So this culture of like knowing what's going on in people's lives and being like hyper relational <laughs> in that kind of way, it's very interesting to see it become these like parasocial relationships on social. Um, but I'm I'm very excited about the opportunities for like cultural analysis that comes out of it. People like you who are breaking this down, people like Kiki May, I don't know what her actual real name is, but like feminists on the internet who are breaking down pop culture, Stacey Lee Kong from Friday Things, absolute like required reading to understand how we can see the systems of oppression at work through pop culture. I think it's awesome. And like your kind of work brings home how it complicates our humanity when we have been saturated in pop culture that is, yeah, really dictated by like supremacy thinking or capitalist motivations. So you talked about how you let go of all those like spiritual practices, the gratitude journal and all that kind of stuff, but you feel more connected than ever, spiritually speaking. So I'm curious, the last question is always about how do you deal with grief and rage? And I'm specifically curious, you know, about anger, because we talked about grief, but also are there different ways that you are connecting with spirit through your grief or your rage that you didn't, you know, find in a, in a book or a workshop in the white wellness world? Really great, great question. Um, You know, for me, like when I say that I feel more connected to something bigger than myself, I think it's more of a feeling. Um, it's less of a of a practice. Um, I, I'm Jewish, and also those practices have become a lot more important to me. Um, also, during this whole time, I joined this synagogue that's like just very very queer and radical <laughs> all the all the the rabbis running it um all women and um just very into social justice and mm. they're fantastic um and so it's it's little ways here and there um in a lot of ways like unfortunately <laughs> i'm still in the trenches i'm still a caregiver um we've <laughs> just passed the baton on to the other parents so i'm just kind mm. of like when you know you you had sent over the question about about anger um I think a lot about like the seven stages of grief and really just I think of it as like a grab bag like it's not people think it's like stages but it's really just maybe for the rest of your life or for whatever extended period of time you might reach into the bag and nothing might come out or might be any one of those seven things and so as far as anger and rage, I kind of, I feel like I don't really have the luxury necessarily because mm-hmm. I got to just keep it, keep it moving in a practical mm-hmm. sense. But in like a simmering sense, I'm like, ugh. Right. I, so you're I'm caregiving giving... for your dad now, but you like, yeah. you're stockpiling the anger for later. Well, I'm more just like, I am giving the earth like a one star on Yelp. Like I am <laughs> not, I am not sold on this concept. <laughs> this 
what is this? I certainly did not sign up for this, but here I am. Uh, and so that's just like a general like underlying sense of what I do. <laughs> and then as for grief, it's really like, it's just, it's both something that I'm like engaging with on a daily basis and just try to like keep it also at base so that I can just put one foot in front of the other pay the bills all that mm-hmm. all that stuff that's yeah. asked of us in this society and that is more than enough in fact you are doing so much more you're you're here normalizing welcoming people into the human experience um all the while you're like muddling through career and you know um having platform building something for your own dreams so that there'll be something left for you when you get through all this caregiving. It's, it's a lot. You're doing a lot and you're doing great. Emily Rose. I see you. Carmen. Oh my God. Thank you so much. This is like, this has been such a joy. You're a truly magical person. And Mm. I keep like, (laughs) I, I keep going wanting to go into host mode and be like I want to plug your book but I'm like this is your podcast right <laughs> well yeah I'll handle that <laughs> I know Although but I'm you like you have seen my book I tell me more about me <laughs> I love it I love it I'm like <laughs> I I had to hold myself back from saying that a few times and I'm like no no wait I'm the guest this is I'm sure you, you know you you promote it on your own terms I like I love I love your book I love everything that you stand for and mm-hmm. it just it really helps restore my faith in the world and west coast spiritualism and so many things (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you and and yeah we got to amplify the the smart ones out there right who are who are seeing things tracking things but also keeping it real so thanks for keeping it real on the show emily oh thanks so much for having me you'll find emily on tiktok at it's become a whole thing and her podcast goes by the same name It's a a look at the best and worst moments of unscripted TV history from cult documentaries to trashy early 2000s reality TV. That's like what's happening right now on the podcast is she takes episodes from 2000s reality TV and then like breaks down an episode. The tagline to the podcast is highbrow analysis of the lowbrow trash we love. (laughs) That's funny. You'll find links to the show notes in your podcast player or at numinouspodcast.com. And I'll also link to the Stuff I Hate journal. Makes a great gift. And, you know, once you have it, please give it a review. Amazon, Goodreads, Bookshop, wherever you want. It all helps the algorithm, you know? I know you're sick of hearing me talk about how important reviews are, but I'm going to have another book coming out to tell you about, hopefully soon, and it's going to need all the help it can get, let me tell you that. Anyway, in the meantime, I would like my listener shout out today to be a deep thanks to fellow Canadian Jillian. Jillian, uh, this was, I think, on Amazon, yeah, gave it five out of five stars to The Spirited Kitchen, Recipes and Rituals for the Wheel of the Year, that's my book hope you like it. Uh, Jillian likes it. Jillian said um, she titled this beautiful and nourishing. Hmm. This is such a comforting and cozy read. My kids love the seasonal activities. Okay, now I'm going to cry because it just gets me every time I think about kids doing the activities. Okay, sorry. This is unscripted, friends. 
The food is super yummy. Uh, and I read this to learn about some simple, enjoyable, and easily achievable ways to enjoy and honor the passing seasons with family, friends, and loved ones. <sighs> that really touches me, Jillian. I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Finally, my friends, my annual online event, which is New Year, is happening on Saturday, October 28th, this year featuring educational sessions on astrology, tarot, ancestral veneration, and more. Early bird bonuses are available until October 12th. Find out all about it at carmenspaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care. Thank you.